Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for today's very special episode of TCCP is none other than everyone's favourite up-and-coming cricket journalist, Mr. Kieran McCarthy. So Kieran, first things first, mate, great to have you back here on the podcast for a chat about all things County Crickets. I've got to ask, mate, How's your day been so far? Uh, it's been good. Uh, I've won two games of Fortnite. Uh, and yes, I am 23 years of age. I was not expecting that, to be honest. There you go. What an intro that is. I thought you were going to mention about the World Cup or something topical to cricket, but you, you mentioned oh. about Tilted Towers and Fortnite. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that the OG one? Yeah. Oh, it's good. It's really Goodness good. Goodness me. I, I saw that on Jude Bellingham's story the other day. Wasn't expecting it no, to come up in tonight's podcast. Child when that first started, so. Well, there we go. That's something I've learned tonight, that you like Fortnite. I'm not a massive fan myself. I'm more of a Call of Duty man. But, um, yeah, I think that's enough of the, the game preferences for the moment, Kieran. We might be able to find a topical reference to slide it in later on in the podcast. But before we do get into tonight's show, which will, of course, revolve around our end-of-season review show for the 10 Division One counties, we do have to discuss the, the cricketing elephant in the room a little bit, Kieran, which is, of course, the Cricket World Cup. Because on the day of recording this episode, we have seen one of the most exceptional, heroic and unbelievable efforts in the history of ODI crickets. I think anybody who's been keeping up to tabs with the tournaments will know exactly what I'm on about. Because this has single-handedly galvanised Australia's knockout hope. So... Without further ado, Kieran, we have to talk about Pat Cummins' 12 not outs from 68 balls, one of the greatest knocks in limited overs crickets, which was, of course, alongside the actual main offence, Glenn Maxwell's superhuman 201 not outs from 128 balls, which included 21 fours and 10 sixes. He was playing for the Bears this summer, formerly of Yorkshire, Surrey, Lancashire, and Hampshire. In a few words, Kieran, that knock from Glenn Maxwell, how extraordinary was that knock from the big show? I've not actually seen any of it. I've seen the shot that he played to get to 200, and that's about it so far. I'm going to watch the highlights later or tomorrow. Um, but yeah, Twitter or X, if you want to call it that, um, to appease Elon Musk, um, went into meltdown over it. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm seeing shouts that it might be the greatest ODI innings of all time. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it, um, and it, it does not bode well for the rest of the tournament because Australia don't seem to know how to lose after the first couple of uh, games. So uh, yeah, but Glenn Maxwell very good at cricket, uh, I would say. He certainly is, and you mentioned that last shots. the The strength of his wrists have to be studied to be completely honest. I don't know how that man generates so much power, so much force, so much momentum on the cricket ball. He was batting on one leg, for goodness sake. It was, as I said, a superhuman effort. And yeah, all I can say is that Glenn Maxwell deserves every piece of credits and all of the plaudits which will come his way over the course of these coming days. And as a result, we've got an Australia versus South Africa semi-final, which is going to be absolutely tasty, to say the least. But Kieran, before we get into our chats about Division 1, I suppose just a few words on England's campaign, which, to be honest, has been absolutely diabolical, hasn't it? Bottom of the group, 10th place, 
just one win from seven matches. It's basically the nightmare scenario, isn't it? For the three Lions after such a brilliant campaign in the T20 World Cup 2019 as well. We all expected a, a much stronger title defence. What have you made of this campaign of this World Cup for the three Lions and a crown? It's not been good. Um, I think, you know, coming into the tournament, we, we all knew that this side was sort of at the end of its cycle. The ages of, of, of a lot of them are um, sort of getting towards the mid-30s and um, a lot of them looked like they were going to go their separate ways um, at the end of the tournament. That being said, um, a year ago, England won the T20 World Cup with a lot of the same players in the side. So it's uh, somewhat baffling that um, they could be so poor. Um, you can obviously put it down to the fact that the elephant in the room, the, the 100 gets played at the same time as um, one day cricket in England over the past three years, meaning that all of the best players that are going to play in the one day team don't play one day cricket, um, which is a bit of a backward system. And, you know, if you want to put up a fight in in that format, you need to be playing it. Um, and a lot of the other sides have sh- shown what a proper preparation can do for you. Um, Australia play a lot more one day cricket, India do as well. Um, and, you know, those are the sort of sides that are at, at the top. Um, and yeah, had England had a better preparation for the tournament, I think um, with the side, you know, even though it's coming to, to the end, they've been very competitive over the last however many years. They could have probably put up, put up a good fight. Um, but yeah, I don't think you can really um, expect an awful lot when, you know, none of them have really played a lot of one-day cricket over the past two or three years, um, which has been very disappointing. But I think it's time for a reset. It, it would have been anyway. Um, and, you know, whether or not one-day cricket does exist in the next couple of years. I think if if one format's going to die, it is going to be one-day cricket. So um, if not, there's obviously a lot of good players coming through. Um, I'm in the camp that Zach Crawley should just be given the the baton and, and to take it forward and do what he wants with it, um, having, you know, only won one series. But, um, you know, he's the sort of player that, that should be in the one-day side anyway. So, um, you know, there's, there's hope for the future if one-day cricket does exist, which... I'm not entirely sure it will do, um, but yeah, um, the less said about the current tournament, the better. Well, that's the thing. It's just been incredibly disappointing because the nucleus of this side were the 2019 heroes. And I think that we almost did have the, the rose-tinted glasses on ahead of this tournament. And you did mention preparation there, Kieran. I think that's a very, very valid point. You look at the, the return of Ben Stokes, who hadn't played one-day cricket in well over a year. You look at Joe Root, for example, really undercooked. In fact, in this cycle team 2019 and 2023, he had an entire year out away from ODIs, which again, when you compare that to 2015 to 2019, we were playing so much more ODI cricket. Every single one of those players was essentially playing every single series. And then, of course, the series which led into this World Cup, which was the Ireland one, none of these players played in. So I think it is a, a mix of preparation Obviously, poor performances from the players, some questionable choices at the toss as well, and with the captaincy from Joss Butler. But all England can do from here, as you said, is rebuild. And we do have the capabilities to do that. It happened in 2015. Whether or not it will happen in 2027, who knows? Four years is an awful long time. But at this stage, considering the fact that Champions Trophy qualification might also be off the table for 2025, this is an ideal setting for a rebuild. 
and we've got the weapons. You mentioned Zach Crawley, Harry Brook, Gus Atkinson, Rian Ahmed, Will Jacks, Sam Hain. The list goes on and on and on. This is a real opportunity now for England to build off heading into the future. So all we can do is hope for the future and expect things to get better because they can't really get any worse, especially if we do lose tomorrow's match against the Netherlands. Goodness me, that really would be a decline, wouldn't it? Finishing bottom of this year's World Cup. But aside then from our Cricket World Cup chats, I suppose it's time, Kieran, to get into our discussion and the main content of tonight's episode, which is, of course, our chat about the Division 1 counties at the end of the 2023 season. So for those who are maybe new to the show or maybe aren't aware how our review shows actually operate, essentially myself and Kieran will be going through each of the 10 counties which competed in the first division this season and we'll be giving our thoughts, some analysis and our grades on how each of these teams performed in the summer of 2023. So, so seeing as we are starting off in alphabetical order, let's start first and foremost, Kieran, down in Chelmsford, and let's have a discussion about Essex County Cricket Club because it was a somewhat mixed campaign across formats for Essex, in particular in the Metro Bank One Day Cup, where they did finish ninth in Group A, but in the county championship, absolutely superb, finishing second, taking the title race all the way up to the penultimate round. And then in the T20 Blast as well, fourth in the South group, beating Warwickshire in the quarterfinals, beating Hampshire in the semi-final, and then unfortunately losing to Somerset in the final itself at Edgebaston. So in terms of their season, how do you look back on the summer of 2023 from an Essex perspective? Uh, it was a very good one, um, you know, not considering the, the one-day cup, um, but you know, with the the youth of the side, uh, I think it's fair to not have expected all too much. Uh, although I did think they were going to win it, um, I would say an A. Um, and the only thing not putting them up to the A, either star or plus, depending on if you want to become Americanized, um, is they obviously didn't win either of the things that they came second in. But um, I don't think it was expected that they would win. Um, the championship, I think they maybe slightly overperformed in the championship, which is obviously a good thing. Um, the Blast, they were one of the better sides. Obviously, that's how they got um, to the final. Um, you know, they, they unfortunately um, got sort of trounced in the final. Um, but um, I think, yeah, they had a very good campaign in the, the championship, particularly. They, uh, they they always seem to have somebody hitting big runs, um, whether it was Tom Wesley, um, Alistair Cook, Dan Lawrence had a few um, very good knocks. Um, Matt Critchley was phenomenal across formats. And then the bowling, the likes of um, Jamie Porter was probably one of, if not the best teamers um, in Division 1. Sam Cook was very good. Um, and yeah, a lot of those guys were, were the same in... And the T20s as well. So um, even though they didn't get over the line in, in either of um, those competitions, I think it was a very good season for them. Um, and although next season might not be quite as good, I think there will be a little bit of a fall off with the fact that Dan Lawrence is leaving. Alistair Cook's obviously going. That's a lot of runs out of the team. Um, there's obviously a, a lot of very good players around still. And Jordan Cox coming in, um, who will obviously add something in all formats. And he's, you know, a very good multifaceted cricketer. And um, I think there's uh, 
things don't look um, bad for the future, although I think there will be a little bit of a, of a slip for them. Um, but, um, yeah, that, that sort of shows how good they've been this season, that um, there might be a little bit of a slip, but they should still be in a, a fairly decent position. I think they will be, to be honest, Kieran, in particular in Red Bull cricket. I do think they will still be strong. There is one area which I do agree upon, I think will be impacted, and that is definitely the top order with the departure of Sir Alistair Cook, who has retired, unfortunately, from the game, as we shall pick up on in due course. But in terms of the grade, completely agree. I also gave them an A. Aside from that one-day cup campaign, I thought they were superb, and in particular something which was really refreshing for me from an Essex perspective we're seeing Matt Critchley first and foremost really flourish in the first division. And then secondly, Jamie Porter having a great season as well. 57 wickets at an average of 19.05 in the county championship was absolutely spectacular. So I just thought those two deserved a lot of praise in particular. But I do also agree upon your points when it comes to apprehension heading into 2024. Because even though we're only in November... It's already been a very, very busy off-season for the East Anglian outfit. So in terms of incomings, Jordan Cox has made the move from Kent to Essex ahead of next season. But looking at the departures, Dan Lawrence going to Surrey, Sir Alistair Cook retiring from the game, Will Butterman, Aaron Ijar, Ishan Kelly, and Josh Rommel all being released. So that's a lot of talent leaving the club ahead of next season. And in particular, we have to talk about Lawrence and Cook, I think, Kieran, because those two have just been staples of the Essex top order. And if we look at their performances this summer, Sir Alistair Cook scored 836 runs. Dan Lawrence scored 801. They were the third and fourth leading run scorers for the club, respectively. So how on earth do they go about, in particular, replacing Sir Alistair Cook? Because you can make the arguments that Jordan Cox is the like-for-like replacement for Dan Lawrence. But with Sir Alistair Cook, you've got one of the greatest to ever grace the game. He's the fifth all-time leading test run scorer. And in addition to that, over the course of his career, racked up 26,643 first-class runs. So in terms of their replacements for Chef, who do you think they can bring in to really plug that gap heading into next season? I think... I mean, I think that the, there are people in the squad already that, that will be being looked at. Um, Faroe's Cushy would be um, the, the main one. Um, obviously, bats at the top of the order in, in limited overs cricket. Um, and I think has has done a little bit in uh, red ball cricket as well. Whether or not he is a little bit more well-suited to, to white ball cricket at this moment, I, I would say he probably is. Um, that's not to say he couldn't develop into a, a good white, uh, a good red ball cricketer. Um, but... Yeah, I think I think it's tough because you're looking at opening the batting, you know, you want to get off to a good start. Um obviously Cook was the, the person that did that for them time and time again over the last sort of five years after um retiring from international cricket. Um Nick Brown hasn't pulled up any trees of late. So um, you know, if if he failed at least um Alistair Cook was alongside him, now you know you you're getting rid of that. Um it is tough, I think. They might potentially look at look at an overseas player um, at the top of the order, maybe, um, just to ensure that you know you are getting those quick runs on the board. Um, Simon Harvest obviously takes up one of those spots, um, and last season 
Um, in Red Bull cricket, there was a, a clear way that they wanted to go with the overseas signings that it was um, Doug Bracewell initially after um, Will Sutherland was injured uh, and then Umesh Yadav, both fast bowling kind of all-rounders, just sort of someone who, who hits a big ball and, and can add quick runs at the back end. And I think the priorities are a little bit different now with the fact that, you know, you are losing um, a couple of top order bats. So I think that's the way I would go. Um, I know there's a lot of Australians that are um, coming over this summer um, because there's not as much um, going on for the Australians at the moment. So, you know, you look at the likes of Scott Boland's come over a, a fair few more as well. So um, potentially if uh, if there was an Australian opener or, you know, top order bat that they could have a look at, that would be, you know, something that, that could be considered. Um, you know, Marcus Harris um, has done well recently. I know he was at uh, Gloucester before, but, you know, he's shown that he can he can do it. So um, if they haven't uh, or, or aren't looking to, to get him back, he's somebody that could potentially fill that role. I'm sure there's, there's quite a lot of other Australian players or players from anywhere else that would be able to fill that role. But I think that's probably the way that, that they will look at the moment. Um, and if not, I would assume that Feroz Koshi will be given um, a little bit more of a, of a blooding in, in Red Bull cricket. Well, to be honest, Karen, I think they'll go overseas because, as you mentioned, they do have one slot taken by Simon Harmer, but I think they need an experienced campaigner. Uh, and in terms of just the shortlist, I was just thinking of some names before this podcast, but you look at someone maybe like Craig Brathwaite, who didn't have a great time for Warwickshire beforehand, but has done well in the past for Glamorgan, an experienced campaigner in Test cricket as well, so he's a potential option. There's been a lot of talk in Australian media that Usman Kawaja has signed a county contract, so again, you mentioned the Aussies. Dean Elgar from South Africa, experienced campaigner, cool head on his shoulders, very similar in terms of the way in which he plays cricket to Sir Alistair Cook, so he'd be a good option. Dimuth Karuna Ratna from Sri Lanka, who was playing for Yorkshire, and then Abdullah Shafiq would be an interesting one as well. It's going to be difficult, though. It really is. I don't think that you can simply replace Sir Alistair Cook. I think he is irreplaceable. But at the same time, you can go a long way to plugging that gap for the season. And then, as you mentioned, build on the future with the likes of Feroz Kushi and Robin Das, who could be potential options up there in the future. So interesting times down in Chelmsford. And we shall have to wait and see because... As of this episode, we don't know who they are going to sign, but they definitely do need someone up the top of that order. So we shall wait and see. But overall, in summary, a very, very good season for Essex. And yeah, fingers crossed, we'll see more of the same in the summer of 2024. Very, very impressed, to say the least. And Kieran, talking of another county who had a pretty good time of it in 2023, let's turn our attention to the South Coast and let's travel to Southampton for our discussion about Hampshire because the Rosen Crown finished third in the county championship. They finished second in Group A of the Metro Bank One Day Cup, smashed Warwickshire in the semi-final at Edgbaston and then lost by two runs against Leicestershire in the final at Trent Bridge. And then in the T20 Blast, they finished second in the South Group, beat Worcestershire convincingly in the quarterfinals. But as we mentioned beforehand, they did lose to Essex in the semi. In terms of their incomings, as of this episode, we haven't actually seen any new signings down on the South Coast. So 
Again, watch out for Hampshire over the course of this off-season because I do imagine they will have a couple in the pipeline. And then in terms of departures, only three. So Anira Donald has gone to the East Midlands County of Derbyshire. Jack Campbell has been released. And young seamer Harry Petrie has also been released ahead of the summer of 2024. So, so before we discuss a bit of the future, Kieran, let's first and foremost turn our attention to their performances in 2023. What grade did you give the Rosen Crown at the end of this season? I think uh, having given Essex an A, um, it would be unfair to not also um, give Hampshire an A. Um, very similar in terms of um, the county championship season, um, finished a few points shy of, of Essex at the back end of the season. Obviously helped by the fact that they beat Essex um, late on in the season. I think it was his penultimate game of the season. Um, with Liam Dawson hitting 100, if memory serves correctly. Um, he was in very good form throughout the season. He was, you know, the pillar of their performances. And, uh, you know, there's a reason his, his name's being put forward for, for England shouts. Um, and then, obviously, they, they went quite a bit better than, than Essex did in the one-day cup, um, finishing runners-up of that tournament after, as you say, giving Warwickshire a pasting um, in the semi-final. Again, Liam Dawson. Uh, it's hard to do this without mentioning Liam Dawson, actually. Uh, um, and then the T20s as well, obviously very good. Um, didn't get quite as far um, as Essex, obviously didn't reach the final, but um, a decent um, performance to, to get them to the semi-final. Um, so, yeah, I think it's... Uh, it's fairly easy to to put them down as an A as well. It's interesting you say that because usually I'm the the fair one, aren't I? And yet I've been really harsh with Hampshire. I've given them a B because even though on paper I think they did incredibly well across formats, excellent in the T20s again, very unfortunate to be honest in the Metro Bank One Day Cup, excellent competition. As I said, completely dispatched Warwickshire and just came up short in the final. But the key for me as to why I gave them this grade is because of the batting. And this is something which is still plaguing the club, even in 2023. So in terms of their batting bonus points last season, 18, just 18 batting bonus points. If we were to compare that to 2022, and yes, there was the issue with the ball, and that was well publicised, wasn't it, in terms of the Duke's balls not being at their best. But in terms of that season, they scored 37. And even then, we were quite critical of their batting in comparison to other counties. So for me, I just think in the championship, third place is not what Hampshire should be going for. This is a club which has been excellent in Red Bull cricket in recent years. And somehow, they still haven't ended that drought in the county championship. It's been 50 years now since the Rose and Crown were last the champions of England and Wales in the first class format. So I gave them a B. But that's just because I've got very high standards for them. In terms of the season, I was pretty impressed, to be honest, in particular in the white ball format. But I just think in the championship, they've got to overcome that batting hurdle. And when they do, it'll be brilliant. I think they'll be up there, easily top two. They could even win the thing, given the strength of their bowling department. So we'll have to wait and see when it comes to Hampshire. But that does bring me on to my, my only question, I suppose, for Hampshire before we move on to our chat about Kent Kieran. In terms of the bowling, do you think that could be an area of weakness 
in the future because looking at the bowling options, even though it is an incredibly strong attack on paper, it is also an ageing one, isn't it? That is something which in the future Hampshire will have to come to terms with. Uh, yeah, uh, obviously if they they have the same sort of bowling core as they do at the moment, um, at some point, you know, people are going to lose a yard um, and not be as effective. Um, I think in in particularly in red ball cricket, I don't think they're losing at yards um, as detrimental as it would particularly um, in, in white ball cricket. I think, you know, it, it's been shown by quite a lot of people over the years that you don't have to be an out and out quick bowler um, to get results in, in red ball cricket in England. You could just sort of nibble it about and hit the seam and, and you're still going to be effective. Um, that being said, you know, there's a, a couple of overseas bowlers that, um, in, in Kyle Abbott and, and Mohamed Abbas that, um, that they get back quite uh, regularly that, um, you know, if if they sort of start to lose it a little bit, they probably, you know, might not not want to come back as, as regularly. Um, they might just not fancy doing season after season playing in England. Um, and then if you, you know, alongside um, the other players, you know, the likes of Keith Barker, James Fuller, um, yeah, it, at some point it, it might be an issue, but I don't think it's it's massively impending. Um, I think they've still got a good sort of couple of years with the, the current bowling group um, still being, you know, largely at the top of the game before it, it does become a massive problem where they might need to look at um, sort of blooding younger players. And they have got decent younger players, bowlers in the squad that... Um, could do a job, um, likes of Eddie Jack, um, Tom Kelly. Them. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I think you know when that that issue does arise, I think that they've got um, the players on board already. That could mean that it's a little bit of a seamless transition from you know the the old guard to the new players. So, you know, even if if that day does come in in the next sort of year or two, I don't think it'll be massively detrimental to them. Well, it might not be. And again, that is just me providing a hypothetical scenario. But I do think the time is coming now for Hampshire to to just overcome this hurdle. They have to bat better and they have to give a lot more support to that bowling department because we, we all know that they're good enough to win the championship. But I think now it's just a case of solidifying that batting lineup. It's something which I do imagine they'll bolster over the course of this off season. And if they do, again, they'll be contenders yet again because that seam attack is frightening. And then, of course, you're adding the spin of Liam Dawson and all of a sudden they are a very, very frightening outfit to to handle. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Hampshire. But again, it was a good season just because I gave them a B. That's just me being a bit, bit harsh, to be honest. But I was impressed with them. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with the Rosen Crown heading into the summer of 2024. But... Kieran, aside from those two counties beforehand, who had very, very good performances in the summer of 2023, let's turn our attention to a county which potentially didn't have a great season in 2023. And let's shift our attention to Canterbury and talk about Kent. Because all in all, it was a very, very disappointing season for the White Horse this summer. So in the county championship, they finished eighth in Division One, just surviving the drop on that final day. In the Metro Bank One Day Cup, they finished fourth in Group A, and in the T20 Blast, they finished fifth in the South Group. 
So with all things considered, how would you grade, how would you summarise and reflect on Kent's performances in the summer of 2023? Um, uh, it was difficult because, you know, they weren't horrendous in, um, you know, the, the one-day corp. Um, they obviously didn't have a good uh, county championship campaign but, you know, the, the, the grades sort of brought up by the fact that they didn't get relegated. I think it would it would be fair to be harsh on them had they gone down. Um, they did well to not go down in the end. So, you know, there's that that you can cling on to. I would say probably a D um, might be a, a, an accurate representation of, of how the season went. Um, at the start of the season, I, I thought actually that it would be quite good in in the championship um i made the point that i think it was the first time since 2016 i want to say that sam billings was actually available from the start of the season because he's always off playing ipl you know and, and decided not to do that this season you know looking at the, at the wider picture of, of playing more red bull cricket and and whatnot and um yeah i thought he would bring the level of, of the side up and i thought there would be sort of inspired by the fact that the captain and one of the better players that they've got in, in the squad was going to be available from the start and that would have brought the, the level of the rest of the side up and obviously that didn't happen and, and Billings decided to sort of step away from Red Bull cricket mid-season. Um, so obviously not a great season, but it could have been worse. Well, it could have been, but even with all of that considered, Kieran, I'd agree. I do think that a D probably is a fair grade because I expected more from Kent. I really did, and they were very, very fortunate in the county championship in the end, surviving by just seven points, which it, it did get a little bit dicey, didn't it? In particular, if Middlesex would have won that game at Trent Bridge, as we'll probably discuss in, in a few counties' time. But goodness me, it wasn't a great season at all for the White Horse. And as a result of that... There have been an awful lot of incomings and a couple of departures at the club ahead of next season. So in terms of transfers, Kent have brought in George Garretts from Warwickshire, Matt Parkinson from Lancashire. What a signing he is, by the way, for the next three seasons. Wes Agar is returning to the club for the first 10 county championship matches, as well as the group stage of the T20 Blast. And today, actually, on the day of this recording, they've also signed former Derbyshire seamer, Michael Cohen so it's great to see Michael Cohen back in the mix as well and even though this isn't an incoming it is a bit of a changing of the guard moment at Kent Daniel Bell Drummond is now the club captain which is absolutely fantastic that man is Kent through and through he's been at the club since he was seven years old he came on the podcast during the season in fact it's an episode which is going to be released later this week in terms of that interview with him and he just bleeds Kent you can see how much this club means to him. So I think he'll be a great appointment up the top for Kent County Cricket Club. But aside from the assigning of Deebs to the club captain role, in terms of the departures, Alex Blake and James Logan have both been released. And then, of course, the big one was Jordan Cox going to Essex. So in terms of those departures and, of course, the transfers, Kieran, what have you made of Kent's off-season so far? Um... I think getting Wes Agar back's um, a good coup. I think, you know, a lot of sides are, are going down the route of, of getting a fast bowler in um, from overseas. Um, you know, I think that's 
that's a good way to go, particularly alongside the signing of Matt Parkinson. You've got, got a lot of bases covered there. Matt Parkinson, I don't really understand the um, the lack of playing time from from a Lancashire point of view of late. Um, you know, he, he got himself on the verge of, you know, being England's number one spinner in, in multiple formats and sort of just got kicked to the curb a little bit, which seemed very odd. Um, and I think Kent will be all the better for his signing. Um, you saw how he how he played um, on loan at Durham, who were another you know very good side uh, last season, um, and he added to the level of that side. They obviously had a lot of good players around, and he didn't um, stand out as as somebody who was any less good than any of the other players around. So I think that's going to be a massive boost for Kent. Um, in terms of the outgoings, I think Jordan Cox is obviously the big one. Um, you know, you look at um, the batting for, for Kent wasn't fantastic throughout the season. So losing somebody that's going to bat in your middle order and largely get you runs, you know, a fair amount of the time. Sort of, it's not fantastic to, to lose somebody like that. But, um, you know, I think even though the the incomings are, are largely on the bowling front, um, you know, if it sort of tips the scales of the side that the bowling is a lot stronger than the batting, sometimes that's not too much of an issue. If you're that strong in, in one facet, you, it doesn't matter if you're a little bit weaker in, in the other. Um, and, you know, they would hope that um, a lot of the, the issues that they had with the bat last season won't be as um, evident next season um because the bowling does look good now um with a couple of the incomings so um i think overall i think um it's more positive that the incomings than you know the, the negative effects of the outgoings i think that's a fair assessment to be honest and in terms of those incoming transfers they're all bowlers aren't they when you look at it matt parkinson a premier leg spin option George Garrett, Michael Cohen and Wes Agar, all seamers. And it has been something which has plagued Kent in recent years. It has been the bowling department. And even in this year's county championship, just 34 bowling bonus points. It was the, the second, or joint actually, it was the joint lowest figure in the entire division. So it was an area of weakness. It's something which they picked up on and they are at least trying to rectify. So again, only time will tell. But I do think Kent will come back stronger in the summer of 2024. I do feel a little bit optimistic about the Southeastern County heading into next season. And talking of another club, Kieran, which has had wholesale changes over the course of this off-season, let's make the journey to the northwest and let's go to Manchester for our discussion about Lancashire County Cricket Club. Because the summer of 2023, to be honest, was probably one to forget for the Red Rose. So after being touted as potential title contenders, Lancashire finished fifth in the county championship. They finished third in Group A of the Metro Bank One Day Cup, unfortunately lost to Gloucestershire in the quarterfinal down in Bristol. And then in the T20 Blast, after an excellent campaign, which saw them finish second in the North Group, they lost in rather convincing fashion to Surrey on home soil at Emirates Old Trafford. So Kieran, actually, I think I'll kickstart with my grade for Lancashire. And I've given them a C. And again, some people might think that's quite harsh. But again, I look at the standards 
of Lancashire. This is a massive club. They are the third most successful county in England and Wales. And I don't think those performances were reflective of a club of this size and stature, in particular the county championship. And I do appreciate that they got incredibly unfortunate with the weather early on in the season. They couldn't do anything about that. But I feel like that first stage of the season completely killed their momentum. And even though they had that brilliant win at the Oval and they had some excellent performances towards the latter stage of that campaign, fifth place just isn't reflective of where Lancashire need to be as a club. And then, of course, losing in in both quarterfinals, it wasn't the end of the world. But again, it was disappointing. So overall, compared to 2022, a year which I think saw tremendous progress for Lancs, 2023 almost feels like a little bit of a step back. And of course, that isn't all, is it? They now don't have a head coach because Glenn Chappell has been released from his position. So in terms of your grade, Kieran, I'll be interested to know, what did you what did you give Lanks? Yeah, I would agree with a C. I mean, look, yeah, um, they got to the knockouts in, in a couple of whiteboard tournaments. That's, you know, sort of expected of them, but, you know, they've managed to do that. Um, so that's, you know, they're in the top half, top 40, 30% of teams, depending on, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, they, they were a side that were being touted as potential title winners in the county championship. They won three games. Um, you, you're being expected to win a title, and out of 14 games, they won three. Um, for reference, Surrey and Hampshire both won eight, Essex won seven, Warwickshire won six. Um, which the, the, the sides above them, Lancashire won three. Um, so that was far below where a lot of people expected them to be. And with the squad that they have, it was far below where they should have been, to be honest. Um, because, you know, even if they weren't to win the title, they should have been in the top three sides in the country, um, which they, they got there or thereabouts in, in the other tournaments, which, you know, hats off to them. I think you would say they probably slightly underperformed actually in, in um, the other tournaments. You look at the, their white ball side, on paper, I would say at Lancashire's, specifically the T20 side, might be the best in the country. Um, if you look at, you know, the likes of Joss Butler, Liam Livingston, Luke Wood, Phil Salt, all, you know, household T20 names, um, slightly underperforms. And then, you know, a lot of the, the, the guys in the, uh, Red Bull side, obviously there's sort of slightly different personnel, but again, was one of the better teams on paper in, in the whole of the tournament. So, yeah, for them to finish fifth with three wins, they certainly underperformed. So I think, yeah, a C as well um, is a fair result. Um, and it will be interesting to see where they go with, with the coaching appointment and, and what happens next season, because um, it's a largely similar team, um, Obviously, that without, I think, Villas is sort of the big one, the, the one that played a lot of games. The lack of Parkinson doesn't really affect them that much because he hardly played. Um, Rob Jones didn't really play an awful lot over the last sort of year. Um, so there the will be incomings. Um, but, yeah, whoever that is will obviously largely depend on who the coach is and, and which way they want to take the team. So it'd be interesting to see if they can go a step further next season. You would assume that they, they probably should do with uh, a lot of the personnel that they have 
on board, but um, it was an underwhelming season, this campaign. It certainly was, and again, I do agree on that point in terms of the head coach, because they can't just bring in a load of new players right now, because it needs to to fit the coach's style. And, and there are different styles and different approaches depending on whichever coach they bring in. And again, Lanks for me, I do think are the team to watch out for across either division in this year's off-season, because obviously there's the head coach, but also how on earth do they replace the likes of Matt Parkinson, Dame Villas, Richard Gleeson as well, who's been a stalwart in their T20 side, an outstanding operator in the shortest format. So I do look at Lanks as almost losing a large chunk of their team, but there is an opportunity to rebuild. And it's interesting in terms of their incomings, Mitchell Stanley coming in from Worcestershire, I know this isn't technically an incoming either, but Saki Mahmood missed practically the entirety of last season, even in terms of training. So his return will be much anticipated alongside the likes of Tom Bailey and Will Williams. He will form a formidable scene trio in Red Bull cricket and will obviously bolster and solidify their T20 outfit as well. And then the other big signing, it hasn't technically been announced yet, right? But we are expecting it in the next few days as reported by the Australian media, is Nathan Lyon. What about that for a signing, Kieran? What have you made of, of that piece of news? Well, Nathan Lyon is arguably the best Red Bull spinner in the world. Um, so being available for, for a lot of the season um, in, in Red Bull cricket uh, specifically, obviously, you know, brings up, up the level of the side. Um, if he's to play alongside Tom Hartley, that's a couple of very good spinners. Um, as I said, it, it's they're, they're not really going to miss Matt Parkinson all too much because they, they hardly played him. Um, but, you know, if they're going to bring in a, a world-class spinner, they're sort of going to make decks that are conducive to, to his style of bowling. And I think a, a lot of the, the the decks they play on will be, will be very well suited to him. Um, and, you know, along with, as you say, the, the three-pronged seam attack of um, Williams, Bailey, Mahmood. That looks like a very, very good bowling attack. Um, Luke Wood, when he's available as well. Um, there are a lot of very good options there. Um, so, yeah, I, it, it would be um, somewhat scary to be a batter facing Lancashire with all of those options at their disposal next season. It certainly will. And of course, you've also got the young all-rounder George Balderson in the mix as well, who I think had a very impressive tournament in 2023. So again, these are potentially exciting times for Lanks, but it is a lot of change in a very short amount of time. So we'll have to wait and see. But honestly, if Nathan Lyon does come to the party, this is a man with 496 test wickets, right? Not first class. He's taken 733 across the format as a whole. But if he really does come to the party and does what Nathan Lyon does best, which is taking a shed load of wickets, Lanks could be back up there. They could be competing. So we'll have to wait and see. But as I said, keep your eyes out on the red rose of Lancashire because I do think this will be an extremely intriguing off-season for the Northwestern County. But Kieran, aside then from Lanks, let's go to the nation's capital. Let's go to North London and talk about Middlesex, who, to be honest, might actually have the worst grade of any of the First Division counties in today's review show because the, the Seax has finished ninth in Division 1. 
They finished 7th in Group A of the Metrobank Wanda Cup and 9th in the South Group. So a very, very rough season to say the least. And I think it goes without saying you can probably expect this as a grade from me, but I've unfortunately given them an E. And I hate doing that because I like Middlesex. I really do. And I think they'll bounce back. But this was not a good season at all. So, Kieran, with those performances in mind, relegation, how do you reflect and summarise Middlesex's performances in this year's (laughs) county championship, the One Day Cup, and of course the T20 Blast? Uh, Yeah, they weren't good. Uh, (laughs) They weren't good. Which, you know, I thought they they were going to survive. I didn't think they were going to have any problems with, with surviving. You look at I mean, the, the the thing that sticks out is the batting. Um, they had five batting bonus points, um, which was the worst in Division One, or you know, the worst in um, the entirety of the county championship by some way. Um, Northants had ten, but then you know, after that, in in Division One, the next worst was eighteen. So um, on paper. You look at the the people that they have at the top of the order, it shouldn't have gone that badly. Um, and the, the thing that sticks out for me is, I think, in red ball cricket, Middlesex hit two hundreds in the entirety of the season, and they were both Sam Robson. And I think they were both sort of the second half of the season. So for a, a large quantity of the season, they were really, really poor with the bat. Um, and that was the same across... Um, all formats. The one thing that they, they do have to hang on to was beating Surrey in, in the T20 Blast, which was one of the best games of T20 cricket anybody has ever seen. Um, just absolutely mental. And I think that the side is um, a little bit better suited to T20 cricket with the likes of um, Eskenazi, uh, Max Holden. Um, you know, there's a few few other guys. In there. Ryan Higgins, I think he's sort of a little bit of both. Um, yeah, he was the standout performer in, in Red Bull by a long way. Um, but yeah, there weren't a lot of fantastic performers in really any format for them. Um, so yeah, I think I, I can say E because because of that win. I think it would be worse other than that. But that was a historic performance. Um, and basically the only good thing that happened for them this season so yeah it wasn't good it wasn't good but again that game actually should give them an awful lot of confidence heading into the future because that snapped a 15 match losing streak in the t20 blast which was the worst in the club's history but they chased down 253 which is absolutely insane and they did it with seven wickets to spare as well at the oval against a very very strong surrey team so Again, I just think it was one of those seasons for Middlesex. And to give them credits, they have at least bolstered the top order with the signing of Laius Deploy, which I think is a fantastic piece of business. This is a guy who's been prolific across all three formats for Derbyshire for a number of seasons now. So he is a massive addition. But at the same time, I was absolutely shocked to see the departure of John Simpson. That came out of absolutely nowhere. He's one of the finest wicket keepers in the club's history one of the best on the circuit right now. And then, of course, Tim Mert has retired. I know he's gone into a bit more of a coaching capacity. He is still at the club, but they won't have his surfaces on the field. This is a guy who took a fifer against Warwickshire 
in that game at Lords, and I still think he's got it. It's sad to see Mertz go, but a legend of the game, to say the least. In, in terms of their business, Kieran, who can they bring in? Because the reason I ask this is because in an interview which was released today with Richard Johnson, the club's head coach, as a result of the ongoing financial issues at the club, he said they'll have to adopt a Brentford and Brighton approach. So for those who aren't interested in football, essentially, it's a case of rearing local talent and not spending too much on overseas players, which in the past Middlesex have definitely done. So in terms of their additions, in terms of areas and almost signings which they can make, in order to improve, who do you think Middlesex could go after over the course of this off-season? Yeah, that's it's not fantastic having lost uh, Simpson because I, you would think they would want to replace him with a wicketkeeper. As you say, he is one of the best keepers in the country. I don't know how you... Well, obviously how you let that happen is the fact that um, Sussex have paid more money. Um would be the, the the easiest way of looking at it. Um, if you know Middlesex couldn't match what what Sussex were offering, then that that's how that's happened. But that's insane. Um, for for a large portion of the season, it was the top three, four, five get skittled, and Ryan Higgins and um, John Simpson would come together and, and put together a decent partnership. Now, if the top however many get skilled, okay, Liz deploys in and, and that should sort some of that problem. There's still, you know, the same amount of, of players putting together a rear guard as, as there were before, just with deploy rather than Simpson. So had they kept him, things would have looked slightly better because there, there would be at least, you know, three people in the top to middle order that you'd think would dig them out of a hole. Um yeah, as I say, I think they would be looking for a wicketkeeper, but if they can't afford to bring in um, anybody that's, you know, a, a big-ish name, I don't really know who, who they'll bring in. Um, I think they've, they've got um, Jack Davis in the side who played at the back end of the season alongside Simpson. So whether or not they just stick with him, I'm unsure. Um, I would have thought they would want to... Um, get themselves a signing uh, that's a wicketkeeper. But if they can't afford to do that, then they'll just have to make do with what they've got. Um, so it doesn't really bode well for them, having lost what they lose with Simpson, because it's not just with the bat. It's the fact that he's a very good gloveman and a lot of the time, you know, stands up to the stumps against seamers, which a lot of wicketkeepers won't do. Um, so it, it's a massive loss for them. And, it'll be interesting to see if, if they can replace him because it, it looks like a tough job doing so. It really does. And again, we'll have to wait and see if they do or if they do just, you know, replace him with one of the youngsters because Davis can keep, Cracknell can keep as well. Robbie White can keep. So they do have keeping options, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see what Middlesex do. In terms of domestic signings, I know this is more white ball cricket, but... I think Alex Blake could be quite a nice fit, actually, in that team. We'll have to wait and see. I, I just look at him as an experienced campaigner. He's been released by Kent. He is available, in theory. So uh, I think he'd be a decent signing. But again, we'll have to wait and see. They are some uncertain times down in North London as a result of those financial complications. So only time will tell. But fingers crossed for fans of Middlesex, the summer of 2024 will be a lot better 
because it was a difficult watch. I like Middlesex. Got a lot of respect for them. But yeah, the performances on the field this year just, again, were not reflective of a club of this size and stature. And talking of another club, Kieran, who really struggled in 2023, let's go to the East Midlands and let's discuss North Ants because it was a rough season for the East Midlands outfits, finishing rock bottom in the county championship, sixth in Group B of the Metrobank One Day Cup and sixth in the North Group in the T20 Blast. So in terms of a grading, in terms of a mark, how do you summarise North Ants' performances this season? Uh, bad. Uh, yeah, I think finishing bottom of, of Division One, that's obviously not good. Uh, I, I think it would be it would be harsh if I see them a, a worse rating than Middlesex, given um, you know they they put up a little bit of a fight in the in the other competitions, um, and and they didn't they weren't that far below. Um, Middlesex come the end of the season. So I think E is probably a fair reflection of the season. Um, but I'm struggling to to come up with any sort of positives for the season. Uh, I'm sure there were some, uh, you know, but, but even in, in the fact that they've, they've been relegated and, and they weren't really all too close to reaching the knockouts of, of either of the T20 or the the one-day cup, there will have been positives. I'm just, at the moment, struggling to, to think of it. Um, maybe you can come up with some, but uh, yeah, not not a fantastic season. But no, actually, um, it, the one-day cup, they looked good for, for a while when, when Prithvi Shaw was, was going about smashing hundreds for fun um, before he, he became unavailable. But the fact that he's back next season, that that is a positive and... Um, the signing of, of George Scrimshaw as well um, is a good one. So, yeah, I think that's uh, that bodes well for the future. And yeah, Prithy Shaw was was it's not not great for the for the rest of the guys in the squad, but was probably the standout player, having played about three games. Um, but you know, the fact that he he will be back uh, next season that's at least a positive for them. It certainly is, and again, it was a very, very rough year. Just in terms of the grading, completely agree. I also gave them an E, but I suppose in North Ants, there were a couple of good performances. You mentioned Pritvi Shaw, absolutely outstanding in the one-day cup, hit that double century, and will be returning. So I think that's a massive morale boost for a North Ants side, which looked bereft of confidence in the batting department at times this season. In addition to the signing of Pritvi Shaw, though, if I was to just build on a, a positive for North Ants in terms of their overall overseas signings, I think they did quite well in 2023. So Karun Nair, for example, towards the end of the season, fantastic in those final three matches. Sam Whiteman as well, I'm pretty sure, was up there as the club's leading run scorer. He was second, in fact, in the county championship behind only Rob Keogh, who scored 780 runs. Whiteman scored 719. So in terms of the overseas department, I think North Ants recruited very, very well. The issue, though, was a mix of batting and bowling, and in particular in the Championship, they had that massive winless streak, unfortunately, have been relegated. And to be honest, in terms of the off-season, we've seen an awful lot of change in Northampton. So in terms of some incoming transfers, they brought in George Bartlett from Somerset, George Scrimshaw from Derbyshire, and of course the aforementioned Pritvi Shaw. But in terms of departures, 
there's quite a few. So Tom Taylor has gone to Worcestershire. Gareth Berg, Simon Kerrigan and Graham White have all retired from the game. And then the duo of Hassan Azad and Harry Goldston have also been released. So a lot of changes in the East Midlands to take into 2024. Do you worry a little bit, Kieran, in terms of North Ants heading into the future? Because you do look at players as well like Jack White, who will be in the final year of his contract. Test match hosting counties are lurking. So, for example, there was a little bit of a rumour that Lanks might be interested. But in terms of the future of North Ants, are you slightly worried, given the fact that they are back in Division 2? And, of course, there has been a lot of change over the course of this off-season. Yeah, I think the the main worry would be the fact that they obviously weren't very good with the bats uh, this season. Obviously, the, the signing of Shaw and the signing of Bartlett should make things better in in that respect um but how much better would be the, the the thing that i would be questioning um you can't rely on pretty sure to just hit 100 every game and and you know win games off that so um yeah i would i would think it, it might be another not so great season next year but then again, um, there have been a couple of incomings that, that could change things. So um, we'll have to wait and see whether that does happen. I would, at the minute, be be wary um, and think things might not immediately improve um, for the next season. Yeah, again, it's, it's quite a precarious time, isn't it, for North Ants? Because what they don't want to do is get stuck in, in Division 2 for a number of seasons because we've seen that with plenty of clubs. It's a very, very difficult division to get out of. And after such an impressive time of it in 2022, I did have better expectations in particular in the batting department. So again, I suppose just in reflection and in summary, it was a disappointing campaign across formats for North Anson's. They'll know that better than anyone. But I do think with a couple more additions, who those additions will be, we'll have to wait and see. But in particular, in the batting departments, I think they could be contenders in the second division. And also, I do think in the in the Metro Bank One Day Cup, with the, the re-signing of Pritvi Shaw, if they can just shore up the bowling departments in that competition, I do think they'll come back a lot stronger. So we'll have to wait and see, North Ants fans. But yeah, I think we're both in agreement. A very, very disappointing summer in the East Midlands, to say the least, for Northamptonshire County Cricket Club. And talking of the other East Midlands County, Kieran, let's go aside to, to Nottingham now and talk about Notts because, again, they just had quite an underwhelming season, didn't they, with Notts? It wasn't a particularly memorable campaign in any of the formats. So sixth in the first division of the county championship, fifth in Group A of the Metro Bank One Day Cup. And in fairness, in the T20 Blast, they did very well to finish fourth. It was a very competitive North group, but ultimately losing the quarterfinal to Somerset down in Taunton. So again, for a club of Knotts' white ball pedigree, a team which has won the T20 Blast twice in recent years, in 2017 and 2020, you could argue that that's quite a disappointing campaign in that format. So with all of that in mind, Kieran, what did you grade Nottinghamshire at the end of 2023? I'd say C, sort of middle of the road I didn't expect them to pull up any trees in the championship having just been promoted I know they had a very good season 
um, having just been promoted. Um, but you know, it's a it's a different animal to Division One to to Division Two. Um, obviously, Ben Duckett played a big part in their promotion. Was not around for a good chunk of the summer um, with various England call ups. Um, and yeah, I think it was a, a respectable enough um, go at, at the return to Division One, finishing sixth, um, finished above Somerset and, and Kent of the sides that, that didn't get relegated. Um, and then yeah, I think you might say that um, the One Day Cup was a little bit underwhelming with um, the players that they, they did still have at their disposal. Um, I mean, like last season, for example, Brett Hutton was fantastic with the ball in, in the One Day Cup. He was, he was good this season, but there were, you know, quite a few guys around that were, um, that are good enough, um, that are sort of, you know, not young players that a lot of sides have that they could have made more of a fist of, of that tournament. And then I think it would be harsh to have expected a lot more of them in the T20s um, when they got to the, the knockouts, given that they came up against Somerset, who were, you know, out and out the best side in the tournament. On paper, one of the best squads, and, and it all came together for Somerset. Um, I don't think you would say not side is is quite as um as good as as Somerset's, even though it is a good T twenty squad. Um so yeah, I think it, it, it was an okay season. Um they didn't go beyond expectation, but I don't think they were far below where where they should have been. Um and I think there are things certainly to to look forward to for next season with the, the incomings um of of Jack Haynes, Dylan Pennington and, and Josh Tong. The seam attack obviously gets a big boost um, with Pennington Tong coming in, um, and then the top order also gets a boost with with Jack Haynes. So um, I think next season will be a slightly more positive one, but I don't think this one's been been a terrible one. Uh, it hasn't been fantastic, but um, yeah, I don't think they've been far away from where they should have been, to be honest. Oh, I think that's pretty fair, to be honest, Kieran. I've also given them a C. And in terms of next season, this is actually what I wanted to focus on in terms of our chat about knots. Those three signings in particular, Jack Haynes, Dylan Pennington and Josh Tung, the trio from Worcestershire. Goodness me, that is some trio of signings, isn't it? For knots. Yeah. And then you look at um, the players that they've got around them. I mentioned Brett Hutton's been very good in in red ball cricket um this season opening the bowling um i wouldn't be surprised if lyndon james is given a little bit more responsibility with the ball um i think it was interesting that the game against surrey where i think jake ball got injured i think hutton was was injured for a little while as well lyndon james was given the ball more often that game and he think he took a six for so that sort of shows that when he's given more responsibility with the ball, he does things with it. So even though there are a couple of very good seam bowlers coming in, I think um, he'll be given um, more chances with the ball. And if he, I think he, it would be fair to say that his batting is is the stronger suit, even though, you know, he is a good all-rounder at the moment. Um, 
if his bowling comes up to, to the level that, that his batting's at um, alongside the, the players that they've got around him, I think he'll he'll come on leaps and bounds this season. Um, and if that does happen with a lot of the, the players that either already were with Knotts or the ones that are coming in, I think it, it could be a, a very promising season. It could be. Uh, again, I, I know this is almost going into season preview territory, but I, I don't see them as out-and-out contenders in the county championship. But you can see with Knotts, they're trying to build something. There is a bit of a project here with the likes of Lyndon James, with the likes of Dylan Pennington, Josh Tongue, Jack Haynes. You look at the youngsters as well, the likes of Ben Martindale, Freddie McCann, Fate Singh, right? They've got the the pieces in place to be a very serious contender in the future. So uh, I think for the time being, Notts fans will just have to be a little bit patient. But in the future, I'll be very, very interested to see if these moves do bear fruit because, I'll tell you what, give them a couple of seasons, they could be right up there across formats given those incomings. And in terms of the departures, we have seen some club stalwarts leave Notts at the end of this season. So Samit Patel has gone to Derbyshire. Jake Ball has made the move down to Somerset, which we'll touch upon in due course. And then, of course, the the big one, Stuart Broad, one of the greatest test teamers of all time, taking the decision to retire from our great game. So three big departures there from a Knotts perspective. But yeah, I do think the future is looking very, very bright for the East Midlands County. And again, we'll definitely be keeping a very close eye on their progress heading into the summer of 2024. And of course, the years beyond. And Kieran, another county, which you can argue had a very up and down summer, but had a massive high in the T20 blast. Let's turn our attention now to the West Country and let's talk about Somerset because they finished seventh in Division One. They finished seventh in Group B of the Metrobank One Day Cup, but they won the T20 blast, which was quite exceptional. So they lifted the trophy for the first time since 2005 when they were nicknamed the Somerset Sabres. During the course of that campaign as well, they also set a T20 Blast record of winning 15 of their matches, which is absolutely phenomenal, to say the least. So, in terms of Somerset's campaign, how would you mark the West Country Outfit's performances over the course of this summer? Two two tournaments, they were not good, um, but then one, they were absolutely exceptional and they were the best side in it by quite a long way on that basis I would say without going into sort of plus or minus territory um B just on the fact that they won the T20 blast um and had you said to them at the start of the season you know if you're going to finish seventh in the in division one and you're going to finish seventh in um your group in the one day cup, but you're going to win uh, the T20 blast. Would they have taken that? Maybe, I, possibly so. Yeah. Um, and I think their side is obviously very well suited to, to playing T20 cricket. Um, you look at, I mean, I don't think you can sort of say that they did badly in, in the one day cup because their side is one of the ones that gets decimated the most by the hundred which shows how good of a T20 side they are, that the fact that there's so many players that are good enough to go and play in, in the 100. Um, yeah, so obviously they're a very well-suited side to, 
to T20 cricket and um, they were so good at it this season. Um, like one of the best last winning sides ever. Um, so, yeah, the other thing, like the, the, the championship, obviously not fantastic, finishing seventh, um, but I don't think it was it was a terrible season. Um, I mean, there's there were some standout performers. I think Lewis Gregory, as always, was very good at just basically everything, um, which that's his job. Um, but he is really good at, at, at all of the things, um, all of the cricket things. So, um, yeah, I think there, there were a few occasions where Tom Lamanby was was quite promising. Um, the One Day Cup, obviously, Andy Umid was good and then got himself a, a gig playing red ball at the back end of the season. So there were there were promising signs in, in some other competitions other than the blast in which they were really good. So, yeah, I would say B. And to be honest, I would agree. But I did find this very difficult. I was tempted at one point to give them a C purely because... It's the middle, isn't it? It is the the middle of the road. But then again, I'll just think back to that T20 Blast campaign. It wasn't just a case of them winning it. They were comfortably the best side. I don't think anybody can argue that Somerset didn't deserve to lift that trophy. They were absolutely phenomenal across the group stage, at finals day as well, even in the quarterfinal against Knotts. That comeback, which they displayed, was absolutely brilliant. So... Yeah, full marks to Somerset in the T20 Blast. Obviously disappointing in the Metrobank One Day Cup, but as you said, they had a very, very small and very inexperienced squad in that competition. So again, I suppose that does come into play. And in the Championship, I will be honest, very disappointed because Somerset still haven't lifted the County Championship. Just one of three clubs who have never lifted that trophy. And you can tell at some point that does play on the mind. It really does. Like They've come so close in previous seasons. I think back to 2016. I think back to 2019, 2020 with the Bob Willis Trophy final as well. They have come very close in the past. And this year it did feel like they they almost stagnated in that format. So again, in terms of the Somerset side of the future, definitely do need to improve in the Red Bull format because you look at seventh place and just 25 batting bonus points. I just think they can do better. I really do. I've got high expectations and aspirations for Somerset. But in terms of their incomings and departures, it's actually been relatively quiet down in Taunton over the course of this off-season. So Jake Ball is the major transfer coming into the club. And then in terms of the outgoings, George Bartlett, as we mentioned, has gone to North Ants. Jack Brooks has been released. And veteran wicketkeeper batter Steve Davis has retired from the game. So... Again, with Somerset, they've got basically the same team to take into next season. So we'll have to wait and see. As I said, the Red Bull format, I think, is going to be the priority in terms of areas to strengthen. Where they'll strengthen, I'm not actually sure, because that same attack, I think, looks pretty complete. And if you do have Shub Bashir after a year in county cricket, he looked very promising at times in this year's campaign. If they stick with him, and maybe they have Jack Leach in for a few games as well. They look like a pretty complete bowling outfit. It's just the batting, isn't it? But yet again, to play devil's advocates, the likes of Tom Curley, Cadmore and Sean Dixon had their first season 
in a Somerset shirt. So maybe this year they could prove to be a much better batting lineup and a much more stable outfit. We'll have to wait and see. But all in all, a very, very enigmatic campaign for Somersets because <laughs> in the one format, they were the best. They were marvellous. They were outstanding. But in the other two, quite disappointing. So, yeah, quite a difficult team to to judge, actually, weren't they, Kieran, based off of <laughs> based off those performances, as we have found out. But aside then from our conversation about Somersets, let's turn our attention to the county champions and let's go to South London. Let's talk about Surrey, Kieran, because we probably don't have too much more to discuss because we did discuss Surrey at length a lot <laughs> during this season because of how dominant they were in the championship. But as we've just mentioned there, first in Division 1, eighth in Group A of the Metrobank One Day Cup, and then in the T20 Blast, they finished third in the South Group. They beat Lancashire in the quarterfinal, but ultimately lost to Somerset in the semi at Edgebaston. So I think I can probably tell what you're going to grade, Surrey, because I think I've also graded them at this same level as well. But I'm guessing, Kieran McCarthy, you went with an A. Or, you know, a plus a star. star. Yeah. yeah, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the, the highest thing that it could possibly be. Yes. Um, I, I I must speak prosaically about Surrey because I, I seem to, every week, just be talking about how good Surrey are. Um, so it, 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 it's just gotten old for me now and it's never going to end they're just going to keep doing it every season they're just they're going to win it again next season and, and it's just gonna it's it won't stop I, I don't want it to stop when I do I want someone else to to win division one but it's not gonna happen um they they had the best side um by quite a long way they probably should have won it by more than they did because they lost two games and somehow um, managed to get trounced at the back end of the season. I can't even remember who it was by because it, that was it. It just seemed wrong that it happened because Surrey aren't supposed to lose. Um, but yeah, they, 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 yeah, Surrey, they're just so good at cricket. I don't, I, there's no point in even trying to say anything else. Um, but yeah, good. Sorry, good. <laughs> Surrey exceptional. Surrey yeah. stupendous, Surrey spectacular. Whatever adjective, whatever superlative you want to throw at the brown caps, I think it's completely justified in Red Bull cricket. And this is something which I do think separates Surrey from other clubs. They haven't rested on their laurels, have they? Because they've gone out and signed Dan Lawrence. And bear in mind, we haven't even seen their overseas signings yet, which, given that the players which they've brought in in recent years, will probably also boost and, and bolster their chances in the Championship next summer. So uh, I don't think I can really disagree, to be honest, Kieran. It was a wonderful campaign in the County Championship. was also impressed with them in the T20 Blast. Aside from that incredible loss at the hands of Middlesex on home soil, uh, I think they did very well. Third in a very competitive South group, winning their quarterfinal. They did lose to Somerset, who, as we've just mentioned beforehand, were just outstanding across that competition. So I don't think they can really complain about that. And in terms of the business at the club, they look very settled heading into next summer. So aside from that incoming of Dan Lawrence, they've only lost three players in the form of Dan Moriarty. He's made the move up north to Yorkshire. And then the duo of Nico Reefer and Nick Kimber have both been released. So do you think Surrey can be stopped? Because judging by that passage, Kieran, 
you think it's going to be a repeat of the 1950s for those who don't know what I'm referring to. <laughs> Surrey won in 1952, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57 and 1958 before the streak was finally cut short in 1959. And weirdly, and I always find this weird, in 1951, Warwickshire won the championship. And in 2021, Warwickshire won the championship. So I'm hoping <laughs> that that hasn't started another streak. But just looking at the side on paper, judging by the balance, judging by the addition of Dan Lawrence, if he's not on England duty, can you see Surrey being stopped in the county championship? I can't see who does uh, at this stage. What about Essex or Hampshire uh, or Warwickshire, as we'll get on to? Do you not think that that they can properly contend? I I would say that next season's Division 1 is probably the strongest it has been for a while. And sort of... Uh, sort of Yorkshire bias, but if you were to swap Yorkshire in for maybe Worcestershire, that's probably as strong as it gets. Um, so if there is a time for it to happen, um, I would say it would probably be either sort of next season or, or the season after. That being said, I think Surrey's depth is that vast and that Surrey's sort of B team is is better than some sides first eleven. Um so like you look at the likes of Cameron Steele hitting a a, a century at, at the start of the season. To be fair, that's the only sort of not out and out like every week player that comes to mind. But the, there's quite a lot of of people that don't get a, a game week in, week out that if they were put into the side wouldn't look out of place. Um and then obviously the, the the usual starting eleven, you look at the likes of when he's available, Ollie Pope, Dom Sibley, Dan Lawrence now, there's J- Jamie Overton, Will Jacks. Like there's a reason so many Surrey players go on to play for England because they just uh breed phenomenal cricketers. Um and I think they'll obviously have some very good overseas. Um, next season as well as they did this season I think if I was sorry I'd, I'd be having Sean Abbott back immediately um, for what he did in, in every format for them but you know even if it isn't him it will be somebody good they had obviously Keemar Roach as well um, Swan on the Ryan in the T20s is always there as well so they just they obviously have um, the pull to be able to get you know whatever quality overseas players they want so adding that to to the players that are already in the side um i can't see how anybody surpasses them uh at this stage it will be tough but then again i I do think there are some very good contenders i I do fancy hampshire i do fancy essex i think lanx as well it all depends on lanx's off season I know I keep on repeating that, and I will do throughout the entire winter, but I think if they have a good off-season and they pick up the right chess pieces, I I do think we'll see a resurgent Red Rose in next season's county championship. So I I don't think it's as clear-cut as people think it is. I agree that on paper, Surrey really are a tour de force. But, and again, this might be a bit of a reach, but this year I did see a few gaps in the armour, and the big one was that loss to Lancashire at the Oval, because beforehand, it had been years since they'd lost a first-class game at the Oval. They'd turned it into a citadel. 
of first-class cricket. And yet this season, they suffered defeat there. And of course, they suffered defeat in the final game against Hampshire. So if they don't get off to a great start next summer, which is a massive if, because Surrey do have a tendency to start very, very well. But if they don't start great, and it does become a dogfight, as opposed to them being top of the table heading into September, I do think it'll be a very, very interesting title race. So we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, in terms of our thoughts on, on Surrey's season, overwhelmingly positive, to say the least. A very, very good campaign for the London County. And Kieran, talking of one final club, who, to be honest, had a pretty good season in 2023, let's turn our attention to the 10th and final county of today's end-of-season review show, and let's go to my home county. Let's talk about Warwickshire County Cricket Club, because in 2023, the Bears did show an awful lot of improvement, so they finished fourth in the county championship. They topped Group B of the Metrobank One Day Cup, but as we mentioned right at the start of the podcast, got absolutely hammered at the hands of Hampshire in the semi-final, and then in the T20 Blast, finished top of the North Group yet again for a second season in a row, but then lost agonisingly and in heartbreaking fashion to Essex in the quarterfinal at Edgebaston. So before I get on to, to my grade and my thoughts, Kieran, what about yours, mate? What did you give the Bears at the end of the 2023 season? Uh, I think A feels fair. Um, I think you might have put them slightly lower down than that um, because I assume the expectation that they maybe should have done slightly better. Well, I, I assume you probably think that they should have won the one day cup because I would say they were the best side or one of the best two sides in the one day cup. Um, obviously got, absolutely smashed by Hampshire, um, which wasn't good. Um, but yeah, it's obviously positive that they got to that point. But I think, yeah, they maybe should have got past that point or at least shouldn't have been bowled out for like seven or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> it wasn't seven. Uh, the T20 is, yeah, um, finishing top of, of the North group. That's very positive. And then it would have been tough to finish higher than fourth, I would say. I, I think Essex were very good in, in second and Hampshire were also very good. So um, Warwickshire finished above Lancashire, who, who were being tipped to, to win everything. Um, so I think overall... It was a positive season, although they probably expected to have won something. So maybe A is ever so slightly um, too nice, but um, I think I will stick with A. Okay, that's interesting. To be honest, if it wasn't for that semi-final against Hampshire, it would have been an A. Because in the championship, compared to 2022... Night and day. 2022 was a, a terrible campaign, almost got relegated. Whereas this summer, as you mentioned before, had six wins represented, I think, a very promising campaign for the West Midlands County. But it was just the manner of defeat in that semi-final, considering that they dominated 
Group B had won seven out of the eight matches, and even the loss against Durham played brilliantly. Ed Barnard scored 161, and yet it all just came crumbling down. And I suppose in another aspect of the season, which again didn't go to to plan, was that quarterfinal. Again, we just cannot seem to get over that hurdle three years in a row now, losing to Kent, Hampshire and Essex. So 2024 is a massive season for the Bear and Ragged staff across formats. But I've got to be honest, I'm optimistic. I am quite confident. I am a little bit more reserved compared to, to this season because I did get a little bit overexcited. I did predict us to win the championship and <laughs> that didn't quite materialise. But I do really like the moves that the Bears have put forward in the off-season so far. So as of today's recording, actually, Hassan Ali is returning for the first half of the season and there is an option to extend that into September. And then George Garton making the move from Sussex, a left-arm seam option with an extra bit of pace, something which the Bears have lacked in the T20 Blast in years gone by. So really, really like those additions to the seam attack. And then in terms of the departures, I've got to be honest, I'm a bit gutted about these three. So Ethan Brooks has gone to Worcestershire, George Garrett has gone to Kent, and Manraj Jahal has been released. So three local lads who have spent quite a few years at Warwickshire have unfortunately left the club. But in terms of the off-season so far, Kieran, and looking at 2024, considering that the Bears have a bowling attack consisting of the likes of Chris Rushworth, Oliver Hannan-Dorby, Liam Norwell, who should be back from injury, Craig Miles, Henry Brooks, Hassan Ali, Jake Lintot, Danny Briggs, George Garton. The list goes on and on and on. Haven't even mentioned the likes of Moeen Ali, Chris Wokes and Dan Mosley. So many bowling options. And then, of course, Sam Hain, who's been brilliant across all three formats for a number of years now. How do you rate the Bears' chances heading into next season? Uh, I would say that they have a good chance in a lot of forms. I think T20s, I thought they were going to win the T20 um, this season. And I think the addition of George Garton strengthens that side. Um, and I think that the incomings for the next season are stronger players than, than the outgoings. Uh, also, I, I know obviously Ethan Brooks has left. I saw something that Henry Brooks is being looked at by someone. I can't remember where I saw that, so how um, true it is. But um, that's obviously you know, not, not a fantastic loss if that happens, but I, I would still say it's not massively detrimental, uh, although he is a, he is a good, um, largely T20 player. But I, I would say, yeah, the, the T20 is the one I would be looking at because um, Warwickshire had, or Birmingham, of course, in the T20s, had one of the better sides um, of, of anyone last season. And I think George Garton adding to that, the fact that, um, you know, left arm seamers are, are a bit like gold dust in, in T20 cricket. Everybody wants one. And the fact that he can bat as well um, adds a lot. Um, particularly, you know, if you're playing on um, a ground that's that's got a short boundary, left-hand batters are um, something that everybody wants. So the fact that he can open the bowling ball quite quickly, probably bowl at the death and also bat in the middle order and is left-handed adds... Um, a lot to that side so I think that that strengthens the T20 side quite a lot um so I, I would 
rate the Birmingham Bears' chances in the T20 Blast quite highly next season. I think, um, as I said, it's a difficult um, current championship next season. So whether or not they're sort of around the same sort of place. um, I mean, if you look at the sides that, that finished above them, Last season, Surrey will probably be up there again. Obviously, they're going to win everything and um, never stop winning games of cricket. And um, we'll be talking about Surrey till we die. Um, Essex might fall off, so there's there's potential that Warwickshire could sort of leapfrog Essex. Uh, Hampshire might be there or thereabouts again. Whether or not Lancashire are above them, then um, Durham are, are going to put up a good fight. So. Um, I don't know whether Warwickshire might be in the same sort of place, might be one or two places below where they are currently. I don't know. Um, but the, the T20 is, is the one that I would be uh, most optimistic for, was I um, a fan of such a side. And then the One Day Cup as well. Um, I think that the youth uh, in the squad is, is exciting. Um, and yeah, that's something that you know in that competition is obviously bodes well if you've got good youth players that are coming through the ranks. So um, the the white ball is is the side that I would look most at um, for um, potentially winning something next season. Um, but I don't think it'll be a bad red ball season. I think there's just a lot of competition for places in the top sort of four or five of, of Division One next season. Well, only time will tell, to to quote a very old adage. But to be honest, I'm very excited about the future of the Bears. I really am. You mentioned those young players, the likes of Hamza Sheikh, the likes of Michael Booth, the likes of Kai Smith. Both of those guys have just signed contract extensions at the club. Got the likes of Rob Yates, Chris Benjamin, Dan Mosley, Tazim Ali as well. <laughs> like the, the list goes on and on and on. Theo Wiley as well. Oh, we haven't signed him to a professional deal just yet, but honestly, the Bears have got a lot of talented players, so we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, the championship is going to be very, very competitive, to say the least, with the likes of Surrey defending their crown, Lancashire, Hampshire, Essex, Durham. I'm interested to see how Somerset goes well. I really am, because they, they are notoriously slow starters in the championship. If they can win their first few matches, they do tend to generate momentum as the season goes on so we'll have to wait and see but yeah all in all it was an excellent season I think it's safe to say here and we both absolutely loved it the Metro Bank One Day Cup definitely delivered that final at Trent Bridge was unbelievable the T20 Blast Somerset worthy winners of that trophy for the first time since 2005 and then of course Surrey the defending champions yet again in the summer of 2023 but that is practically it for today's end of season review show the dust has now settled on the summer of 2023 and the next time that we'll be discussing all of the 18 counties will probably be in our 2024 season preview show so watch out for that come march and early april but from myself and kieran for the 2023 chapter that is it from us two here at the counter cricket podcast for today's review show and to each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there thank you ever so much for tuning in and as always guys we'll see you on the next one